Now, welcome to Aviation United by Aviation Sorrow. I'm delighted to be chatting with Scholar, uh, the podcast host of the Library Laura podcast and knitting enthusiast, Laura Miller. A very good day to you, Laura. How are you getting on today? I'm doing well, thank you. So where are you on the planet as we speak? What part of the world are you in? Absolutely. I am in Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb of the Kansas City metro area uh, here in the United States. And as, as an, an Irish person, you've probably heard this before, we're fascinated with weather. So what's the weather like at the moment in Kansas? At this particular moment, we're in the 70s. It's fall, so the leaves are um, coming off of the trees very quickly. But we also already have had our first snow, and I don't oh, know wow. how I feel about that. Oh, right. It was really you're not a, kind you're of not a snow weird. Um, I don't mind it, but it was it was definitely surprising because it was still in October, which is very early for us. And it was I woke up one morning and there was snow on the ground, and it was like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> All right, okay. And is it quite, is it quite like seasonal? Because in Ireland we get like uh, kind of like four seasons in one day sometimes, especially during the winter. So we're pretty much saying that it rains a lot anyway. But what's it like? I mean, is it, is, it, is the summers quite nice there? Uh, so we definitely get all four seasons. We can get up into, in, in terms of Fahrenheit, uh, we can hit 100 degrees uh, oh, Fahrenheit, wow. um, which is pretty warm. Uh, and then it gets down into maybe the, the, the low teens, like 10, 11, 12 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter. Um, we, I mean, we've gone below zero, but it's, it's pretty rare. Um, so, I mean, we definitely get the, the full thing, but we do also get that whole like four seasons in one day or one week kind of situation. I mean, the day, the week that it snowed, it, it was snowing one day and like a couple days later, it was 60 degrees and sunny and gorgeous. So oh, wow. I, okay. it's a bit bipolar, honestly. But. So you don't know whether to wear a jumper or factor 50. It can be quite a little bit confusing that way. Yeah, you definitely have to check the weather. <laughs> All right. So we'll crack on then. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm in my mid-20s. Um, I've had several jobs since college, um, everything from a brief stint as a barista earlier this spring to um, being a paint store assistant manager and an insurance representative. Uh, this year, thanks to the pandemic, my career shifted more towards working from home, and I'm doing writing and editing for a nonprofit organization and producing and hosting my own podcast. Brilliant. So. I mean, and with regards to um, the writing and editing, is it is it for other people's books or or articles, or how does that work? Yeah, good question. So um, I got to help overhaul all of the content on the website for the organization. It's called Crossroads Career Services, um, and it works. For uh, with uh, providing job search resources to people who are unemployed, um, but from a Christian perspective. So um, I've written some blog posts. I've written um, internet content. I'm working on a new workbook uh, on a particular subject right now. So it, it kind of varies, but it, it's more like workbook kind of content, informational and uh, marketing kind of content. So you're super busy. Uh, some days. So do you find that you're busier now having more time off than you were when you're actually kind of fully employed? You know, it's just different um, because I, it's like I have to decide each day what's going to be the priority, um, whether it's going to be working on podcast stuff or uh, stuff for Crossroads or um, whether it's laundry and dishes that need to be done around the house or whether it's something that my husband needs help with. Uh, he's also working from home. He's an accountant. And so he's working with a, a big bank here in the metro. He's, he's doing all his spreadsheets and everything from the room next door. So it, there's definitely a lot going on, but uh, it's it's different because it's not like I just go to the office and do like the office work every day. It, it's more flexible, which means more decisions, but also more freedom. It's very different times. Very, very different yes. times. <laughs> yeah. Really, really strange. But it, yeah, so generally the, the, the listeners are probably wondering, what, what on earth are 
or what has aviation got to do with knitting? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to kind of join that in and you'll join the dots for me. Um, I think it was Harvard that did a study there a while back and they, they mentioned that knitting helps reduce I'll actually read it out here. According to a knit uh, for peace, a network of over 15,000 knitters in the UK who knit for people in need said a substantial evidence suggests knitting is beneficial to a healthy mind and body. And that's generally where we kind of introduce our chat. Let's start with how did you get involved and when did you first fall in love with knitting? Sure, sure. So um, I started knitting and crocheting as a child. Uh, So for our listeners who don't know the difference, and I don't even know if in the UK they call things different. So here we are. Um, But um, at least for me, knitting is done with um, straight needles, um, whereas crochet is typically done with a hook. And so crochet uses one hook typically, and knitting uses at least two. And depending on what you're making, I've seen people use up to five needles. Um, That sounds scary. It's not actually as hard as it looks. But um, (laughs) anyway, I did both. Um, And so when I first started to knit, I it was as a kid, uh, learned mostly from my mom and my aunt and also from some books because I've been I've been knitting long enough that there wasn't really like online knitting tutorials when I started knitting. Um, And what makes it really interesting is I'm left-handed. And so I had to kind of figure out how I was going to knit relative to right-handed people. Um, oh, wow. And okay. uh, let's just say that made things another level of complicated for me. And uh, if you are left-handed and you're out there listening, honestly, I would say just learn how to knit right-handed. At this point, I think that would be my advice. Uh, That's not what I did. So I actually, um, typically people who knit, knit from right to left. Um, I learned how to knit from left to right, like you would read a page in a book. which is backwards of everyone else. So I was following a knitting pattern recently where I was going to make uh, two mittens, you know, one for each hand, and they were side specific. So when I was following the directions to create what the instructions said was going to be a left glove, it fit my right hand. (laughs) All right, okay. (laughs) So I guess what I'm saying is if you're going to learn, you're starting from scratch, just learn how to knit right-handed because um, it's going to be easier when you're trying to then follow patterns later on. Um, it's not so bad if you're just making something that's rectangular, <laughs> but if right. you're getting more into like shaping and stuff like that, uh, it creates some interesting issues. <laughs> and did, how long did it take? Did it take you a bit longer to learn the craft because of you were left-handed? Uh, I think a little bit, uh, just because. And like I said, I was learning from books and that kind of thing. So there wasn't any specialized instruction out there for being left-handed and knitting, uh, whereas there is more out there now, which is really cool. So it's just determination, sheer determination. You're going to do this. This is for all the left-handers in the world. That's yeah, basically. I mean, that's how left-handers do anything, though, if we're being honest. I mean, we have to take the entire world that's designed for right-handed people and decide whether we're going to learn to do it with our right hand or whether we're going to adapt it in a mirror image way to learn how to do it left-handed. And and that's choices that we're making, like, every moment of every day. So this so. is actually, we, we didn't discuss it before the podcast. Now I'm interested because I didn't know you were <laughs> left-handed. So what else is problematic for left-handed people? I mean, you were mentioning it every day. So what else? I mean, we talked about cups, knives and forks, all this type of stuff? Um, Yeah, so it's more stuff that's like directionally based. So um, for example, um, I really hate soup ladles because a lot of soup ladles are made with a spout on one side and predictably it's on the side that I'm not pouring the soup out of. 
So if I pick it up with my left hand, I, the spout's on the wrong side. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I also really struggle with scissors. There's many scissors that my husband can use with just fine. Um, but like the way that the tension goes on the blades when you hold it with your right hand is different than when you hold it with your left hand. So they have to actually make specific left-hand scissors, or I've been known to hold scissors upside down in hopes that they would work better, um, that kind of thing. So I don't know why that's such a challenge, but somehow the way they make scissors is hard. Potato peelers, sometimes they make only right-handed. And so I tend to buy a really cheap potato peeler because it works both ways. Whereas some of the more like ergonomic ones are like ergonomically backwards for me. (laughs) So, um, and then- the company's not, Laura, the company's not like, is there no multimillionaires out there like maybe from Amazon or Jeff Bezos that said, let's, let's design everything for the left-handed people now. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, I suppose there is, but where the problem comes is like, let's say that I'm going over to like a church kitchen or a friend's house or something like that. And they're like, Hey, here, peel potatoes. And they hand me a potato peeler. That's just like, not right. Like if I'm purchasing it for myself, I'm going to purchase something that I know is going to work for me. Whereas if I'm like in another environment, um, it, might not be designed for me to use. Um, one thing though that I have um, had to adapt to um, my, when I was in kindergarten, the kindergarten teacher asked my mom if this was back when the mouse was like wired to the computer with like the little wire. So yep. you couldn't just, they weren't wireless like it is now, but they asked if she wanted me to have the mouse put on the left side of the computer for me. And mom's like, no, then she's going to have to move every single computer mouse she ever encounters for the rest of her life. Just let her figure out how to use it right-handed. And so there's many things also that I've had to just like do. I mean, it's not like they can put the gear shift on the other side of the car for me or, you know, things like that. You just have to, you just have to do it. <laughs> so we should forget about knitting today. Let's just talk about left-handed people. And, okay, and, sure. Uh, no. <laughs> and the troubles that they, that they experience. So then, I mean, I'm also just not that athletic, so that might also be part of why, honestly, because it's just, I don't know. Well, okay. This is why I knit, because it's not athletic. We've but. learned something new today. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, so what well, and back to, back to your, like, starting a love of knitting thing. So I talked about as a child. Um, I also, in college, I went through a um a kick where I was making a lot of baby shoes and hats and blankets and then donating them to a crisis pregnancy center in my town um because I would knit in class or crochet in class to help keep me focused (laughs) and then this March so it's been about five years since I left college um thanks to the pandemic I decided to pick up knitting again um and it really did help me with the sense of anxiety and impending doom (laughs) that was going on um, and it was one of my friends from when I worked at the coffee shop this spring who invited me to join her knitting group. Um, we met virtually for a while and then we've been meeting in person, uh, lately. So that's been, that's really, really gotten me back into knitting and I've made quite a few projects this year. So you, you mentioned there virtually, is there knitting clubs online that you can actually interact with people via Zoom or Skype or something? So at least with the ladies that I got together with, um, they, they had already been an established knitting group like before the pandemic. So they had been meeting in person, um, but then they shifted to, um, we were using um, a video uh, conferencing uh, tool to just get online and talk to each other um, from our own homes. Uh, so I don't know how much more of that there is out there, but it's definitely doable. It's definitely something that can be done. Is it difficult then? I mean, you mentioned there your, your troubles with, with uh, left hand, uh, left-handed knitting, but generally for the average person picking it up, um, that might be right-handed, for example, is it difficult to pick up? All right. I just wanted to say, if you can fly an airplane, you can definitely knit a scarf. I don't know about that now. 
I don't know about that, Laura. <laughs> I don't know. It seems very complicated, especially for left-handed people. So yeah. I mean, that's fair, but I'm pretty sure that flying an airplane is very complicated, and um, it's higher stakes. Uh, you, you, I have yet to hear of anybody dying while knitting. So. On knitting. Oh, you never know. You never, saw, <laughs> you never know the, the future might happen. Who knows? There. So the nice thing about knitting, I mean, there's, there's one knit stitch. And if you learn how to do that one stitch, then you just repeat it over and over and over and over again to make a, a knitted thing. And then there's other skills that you can add on on top of that. So you can learn how to purl. You can learn how to increase and decrease the number of stitches on each row. You can learn how to knit in the round. And that increases the like number and type of things that you can make. Um, but I mean, I, I was reading a book one time that said, okay, you do, you do the stitch like this. And then it said, okay, repeat that a thousand times and you have a blanket, you know, I mean, uh, and there is so much information out there now. So with the internet, I mean, you've got YouTube videos that will show you step-by-step of every little part of the process of how to, how to knit. Um, and there's, there's books and blogs and all of that out there as well. And, you know, in addition to finding your friend who already knows how to knit and saying, hey, show me how to do that. And and I mean, in-person works great as well. Um, But then it is something where you can add skills over time. Uh, So you start with something that's fairly simple and then you say, okay, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with this. Let me learn how to do like one thing harder. And then you can, I mean, eventually be doing really complicated projects. So. And I mean, is there any books you can recommend or or websites you're, I mean, do you have, would you be planning yourself to extend future uh, podcasting into a a knitting podcast possibly um i doubt it although i mean it's one of those things where i before i even started in my podcast i was um, very active on instagram and i still am uh and my my hobbies of reading and my hobbies of knitting um both tend to overlap a bit. So sometimes I will be reading knitting books or knitting while reading or listening to an audiobook or that kind of thing. And so when I post on my bookish Instagram, sometimes I end up posting about knitting as well. And I've followed more and more knitters on Instagram too. So they're, they're starting to overlap more and more. Um, but but yeah, so as far as like books to recommend, um, there's a lot of books out there. Um, I actually picked up a book at a thrift store recently, and I apologize for the profanity that's in the title, but it is what the title is. It's called Stitch and Bitch. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> and it, uh, it is, um, it's got some basic instruction of how to knit, and then it's got some information about other knitting books and how to start your own knitting group. And it's got several patterns in there for different kinds of beginner projects. Um, and it's been actually a, a, a interesting resource. Um, it does, it's a little sassy, a little profane, um, but also actually very informative. Um, we're going to talk about later or maybe now. So I'll just go ahead and, and, and shout yeah. out some resources now uh, as far as um, websites and that kind of thing. Okay. So there's a lot of knitting blogs. One blog that I have followed is a blog called Tin Can Knits. And she has some really, really great free beginner patterns and then other patterns that you can pay for that are maybe more advanced. Um, but beginner tutorials for socks, hats, sweaters, blankets, a shawl, like all of those different kinds of things. And, and they very, they really are very step-by-step and it's like, if, if it says to do a specific kind of stitch, it's got a little link where you can click and see a specific tutorial on how to do that thing. Um, 
So I've really liked that resource. And then there's a website called Ravelry. Um, and it, it's kind of like, if you're familiar with Pinterest, it's kind of like Pinterest, but just for patterns for, um, yarn and for knitting and crochet. So you can sort and filter for specific criteria. Um, like I did a search recently. I had, I had a ball of yarn that I really wanted to use and, but it was only like 130 yards, which isn't a particularly large amount of yarn. And so, um, I was looking for projects that I could do with that specific quantity because I only had one. I'd gotten it at a thrift store. Like I couldn't buy any more of it. It just was that. So <laughs> I needed something that would fit my criteria. And I was able to say, I want, you know, wool in this weight, in this length and projects that you can do with that. And I pulled up a whole list of things that I could do. And uh, I ended up making some fingerless mittens out of it and they turned out really great. Um, but you can search and filter um, and you can also just browse um, and look at patterns out there. And it's also um, a place where you can search for groups um, and you can search for local yarn stores. They have um, different like search criteria for all of that as well. So it, it's, it's it, interesting there because you mentioned there the stitch and bitch. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually on, on, re I'm, re I'm not saying reading it while I'm listening to you, but I, I said that I was, I was kind of interested. If I'm, I'm going to have a little look, but there have a couple more. They have um, um, the Happy Hooker. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's another one. And then there's Superstar Knitting as well. So they have a, a by Debbie Stoller. Is that correct? Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. No, very, very uh, looking them all there. So, so is yeah. it expensive then to, you know, to start this up as a hobby? So um, it, like many other hobbies, you can spend as much on knitting as you want to. Um, so, I mean, you can go to the, the thrift shop and buy a pair of secondhand needles and some cheap acrylic yarn and knit. Uh, and, you know, you can learn how to do the stitches. You can make things. It's great. You can also buy, you could go to your local, you know, luxury yarn store and buy some hand spun, hand dyed um, you know, organically fed sheep yarn um, that's, <laughs> you know, amazing texture, amazing quality, and make a really luxurious item out of it using, you know, hand-carved wooden needles. And, you know, like, you can... Is there a you difference can... with organic fed sheep wool? <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of being sarcastic <laughs> okay. with that, I'll be honest. Um, but the hands foot and the hands dyed are definitely real things as far as the yarn goes. Um, but um, and there's all there's all sorts of different kinds of materials that you can make um, knitted garments and items out of, and it really just kind of depends on um, what you need and and want to use. So, um, you know, if you're going to make a washcloth, you're going to want to use perhaps a cotton yarn or something that's very durable and um, you know can handle lots of washing and drying and all of that. Um, which means that you probably shouldn't use merino wool <laughs> for that. You know, you would use a cotton, uh, you know, strong cotton yarn. Um, whereas if you're going to make a cozy sweater, you wouldn't want to use that strong cotton yarn. You're going to want to use something that's, you know, soft and luxurious, but it also might require a lot more care. So it might have instructions to, you know, hand wash and lay it flat to dry uh, or that kind of thing. And so um, it kind of, different yarns are for different, different kinds of objects, really. So how long, Laura, then does it take, say, to, to knit or, or baby uh, top? Or I mean, you can hear yeah. by my, my lack of 
uh, how do you say, understanding of knitting and my ignorance to this. So how long does it actually take? I tend to make smaller projects, mostly because I like the adrenaline hit that you get when you finish a project. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also because I tend to come by yarn in ones and twos rather than eights and tens and twelves of, of the, the balls or the skeins of yarn that you might need to make a sweater. So so it, it really depends on the project and it also depends on um, the thickness of your yarn and the thickness of your needles. Uh, so um, I probably the quickest I've finished an object is I made my husband a hat recently using um, US size 13 needles. So they're like the thickness of your finger. Maybe they're pretty thick. Um, and I used some bulky yarn. Um, and so I knit it really quickly. I finished it in one evening. Like I don't, I think I maybe got up once to get a drink of water or something like that. But I mean, I, I sat there during, you know, a couple TV shows and, and finished a whole hat. Um, oh, wow. But it was, like I said, it was, I was using thick needles and thick yarn. So it worked up very quickly. Um, so, I mean, that was maybe a three hour project. Um, whereas I, I'm working on a pair of socks right now, which I'm using what's called fingering yarn. It's very, very tiny. It's like, it's, it's very thin. Um, and then I'm using like size one and a half needles. So they're very tiny. They're, I'm trying to think of something. They're, they're the thickness of maybe like thick spaghetti. Right. Um, so there, or, or toothpicks. <laughs> I, I, the first time I used small needles, I'm like, I swear it feels like I'm knitting with toothpicks and it's so tiny. And so to get a object that's finished, it takes a long time to, to do that. Um, so, and, so and yeah. These books, these books you mentioned, the websites as well, they, you know, you've touched on already, they'll, they'll kind of guide you, will they, in terms of what needles, because you mentioned there, like it was a US size 13 needle, is it? Yes. So, yeah. Um, what would be like the size of a beginner's needle or is that, is that a beginner's needle? Um, a beginner's needle. Um, if you're just knitting with like a typical, like, um, Aran or Worsted or DK weight yarn, that's kind of like the, the, the normal size of yarn, if that makes sense, kind of like straight down the middle. Um, you're usually going to use about a size U S size eight, uh, needle. So, uh, not too big, not too small. It's just kind of like a, a middling, uh, needle there on the UK side of things, actually the larger, the number, the smaller the needle. Right. Okay. And then on the U.S. size, the smaller the number, the smaller the needle. And the larger the number, the larger the needle. Yeah. Um, and then the metric kind of, it goes from like a two, two millimeter being a very, very, very tiny needle. Uh, and like the size 13 U.S. needle that I was speaking of is a nine millimeter needle for metric. The double zero needle for U.K. Right. So, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, I would say just look at the chart and uh, good luck. <laughs> and do your best. <laughs> so then, yeah. I mean, does does it actually help? Um, uh, I know you briefly uh, touched on it earlier on, but does it really help relax you? I mean, you mentioned that you do like you know the adrenaline shot, but does it help relax you when you're actually doing it? Yeah, I think so. It's um, it's very repetitive and it's very orderly. Um, and I know for me, a lot of times, what can cause me stress is when things feel out of control, and my knitting project typically speaking feels like something I can control uh and so it does and it also like there's a lot of things in life that we do and like even a lot of household chores where like you do it and it just gets undone um really quickly so like you mow the yard and then the the grass grows back and you have to mow the yard again you do the laundry and then you make all the clothes dirty again and then you have to do the laundry again and you don't really see like visible progress whereas like if you're knitting a scarf you knit the scarf and like you can say I knit all of this and like it, the progress stays progressed <laughs> if right. that makes sense so I think that sense of progress that sense of order and it is 
it, it is very calming, even in just like the action of it. Um, it because it is repetitive, um, it kind of it kind of allows you to like calm your thoughts a little bit while you do it as well. As it like as it is like a sense of achievement, is it? At least for me, um, and you know, it's like I see other things out there, and I'm like, oh, I could make that. I uh, and I like I said, I so I'll give you like an example progression of the projects that I did this um, spring going into the rest of the year. So um, when I picked knitting back up, it had been quite a while, and I wasn't really sure that I remembered exactly how to do everything with it. Um, and so the first thing I made was a washcloth. Um, I you know got some cotton yarn, some pretty average size needles and just you know you knit a square and you have yourself a washcloth to use to do dishes or uh, clean or whatever um, and then um, after that I made what we call a cowl I'm not sure if that's something that you're familiar with but it's God, like a explain it what, it's like a it? it's like a scarf um, but you just like put it over your head and it just kind of goes around your neck so it's not like long and windy it's more of like a small circle that you just wear around your neck to keep it warm okay um, and so I made a cowl and then I started learning how to make hats, um, which you do by knitting in a circle, uh, which was like a step like further of difficulty. And then I decided that I wanted to learn how to make socks, uh, yeah. which felt like a huge hurdle. Um, but, uh, my sister was like, Laura, it is just a foot hat with a bump in it. And I just <laughs> thought that that was the funniest, but it really is. I mean, once you learn how to knit in a circle, um, you just, you make the tube for where your leg goes and then you have to learn how to make the heel. But if you've already learned some basic knitting stitches, it's really not any different than anything else as long as you read the directions and do what they say. Um, and then you just knit in a circle for a long more time and then you, you know, close it up at the end. And it's really like, it can be difficult, but when it's one of those like progressive things. So like, if you learn how to do all these other skills, you're just adding one more skill on top of it of how to make a heel. Um, and I've been on quite the sock kick for a while. I've made, I've made several <laughs> pairs now. Um, and then I am working on a blanket, which feels monumental uh, right now. It's going to take uh, six, six uh, packages of yarn uh, to do it. Oh, and I'm wow. about, I'm, a, I'm into my third package of the yarn right now. So and getting time, there. Are you, are you, have you got a goal? Do you need to get it done by the end of... <laughs> end of the week <laughs> no 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 that one that one is I refer to it as my tv knitting project so it's the one because it's getting big enough that it's really hard to like take to the doctor's office with me or that kind of thing um so it just kind of stays in my living room and I work on it while we're watching tv so it it's going to be there for a long time before it's off the needles I think so tell us what about uh us men in terms of knitting I mean is knitting enjoyable for men? Does a lot of men do knitting? I am certain that men can do knitting. Um, and I actually, funnily enough, I just read a romantic comedy book not too long ago called Real Men Knit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was all about these four brothers who their mom had run a yarn store and um, they ended up inheriting it when she passed away and um, had to kind of figure out what they were going to do with all of that. But they had all learned how to knit as kids and uh, were actually very good at it. Uh, and so I, it was a funny book, uh, but you know, I think it speaks to the fact that, yeah, absolutely men can knit. Um, and I don't know a ton of men who knit personally, although I do know so several of the uh, women in my knitting circle have either kids or grandkids, and um, they are teaching their boys how to knit as well as their girls. Um, and I think it's a really great skill to have. Um, as we've talked about, it can be really relaxing. It can be productive feeling and um, 
creative. And I mean, men need hats, socks, sweaters, scarves, washcloths, everything else, just, just like women do. Um, and, you know, you may decide to knit with maybe some more subdued colors or maybe more practical items. You might not be the one putting lots of ruffles and uh, lace on your work. Um, but I mean, while I think it is traditionally more of a, a women's uh, task, just like sewing and uh, cooking and other things. I mean, there's lots of men who sew. There are lots of men who cook. I think there could be lots of men who knit. And it's, uh, I mean, there's nothing that says you can't other than maybe a um, macho man stereotype. That's it. <laughs> so. so come on, men, get those, get those yarn balls out and the, the needles and get those sweaters made. No, no, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, so let's move on, Laura. You're, you're, the, you're the host of your own podcast show, which is the uh, Library Laura podcast. So what can listeners expect from your podcast? And then I will yeah. to ask you then, like reading, I mean, is reading a relaxing pastime as well? Good question. So um, with the podcast, um, yeah, so it's a weekly podcast. It comes out on Wednesdays. And my little tagline is um, your weekly dose of book recommendations, library love and literary enthusiasm. Uh, and so it started, if you listen to the first couple of episodes, I think it's like the first four or so, it's just me talking because it was right when I first started and it was really just, I don't know, I was stuck in my house during coronavirus and was like, I've, I've got to talk to somebody about books and uh, it just ended up being the internet. Um, and I just, but it lays some groundwork for like who I am, what I'm interested in, that kind of thing. Uh, but then pretty quickly, I started being able to interview other people on my show and that's been delightful. Um, I've interviewed some just, quote, regular readers, um, including my dad and my sister and some of my friends from college. Um, but I also quickly got to start interviewing some um, authors. And I've interviewed a librarian and an independent bookstore owner. Um, and I have um, some other plans in the future to continue uh, having interviews like that as well. So I like the mix because it is, you know, many, many, many people like to read. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be famous to, to talk to somebody about books. Um, but I've also enjoyed getting to talk to uh, some more influential people in, in that industry as well. So what's your favorite book of all time? Oh, my goodness. I do not have a favorite book of all time because it's like asking me to pick like you know, Go on, a pick one. favorite pick, candy pick, or something like that. Pick a top um, two between you and I, a top two. So there's two books that this year I've read and I like, I just want to tell everybody to read them and they've been very enjoyable to me. So maybe not of all time, but at least like of this year, um, I can pick there. So there's a book called The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise by Dan Geimhart. And it is just this funny and fascinating book. Um, about this girl and her dad who are living in a school bus that they've turned into a um, camper of sorts. Um, and they're traveling across the country. Um, and the reason why they're doing that is because there's a really painful situation uh, that they left uh, their home uh, okay. in the northwest of uh, the country uh, up in Washington state. And uh, they they were just basically running away from it emotionally, it speaking at least. Um, but the little girl decides that she wants to get her dad to go back to their hometown. Um, but she doesn't want to tell him that that's her plan because uh, he'll say no and he just won't do it. And so she comes up with this like elaborate plan of telling him like, dad, you remember that one place where you got that delicious pork chop up in, you know, Idaho or something like that, uh, which was closer than they were. So they kind of headed that back to that direction. Um, I really want to go back there and get one of those pork chops. And he's like, okay, whatever. And you know, they kind of start <laughs> headed that direction. Um, but then they pick up all of these other like 
traveling companions and passengers along the way. Uh, so they pick up a um, Latin American mother and her son. Uh, they pick up a runaway teenager. They pick up a goat that needs to be transported from point A to point B. Uh, so it's just this like motley found family kind of story and also just the story of like you can't run away from your pain and get better you actually have to go back and work through it and face it and that's where the true healing comes but it's it's a book written for like 10 to 14 year olds um and it's just really sweet and funny and i love it so much <laughs> the second book that i wanted to be enthusiastic about um uh, is a book it's a book called lovely war by julie berry um, and I do really enjoy reading historical fiction. This is an adult novel, um, which is part of why I want to mention it. And uh, it's set during World War I, um, but it opens with Aphrodite, the Greek goddess, and the Greek god Ares walking into a hotel in the 1940s. Um, and the story <laughs> proceeds to be narrated by mostly Aphrodite and Ares, but we also get um, Apollo, the god of success, and then um, Hades and Hephaestus all kind of are in there as well. And they're all like sitting in this hotel room telling each other this story, but it's the story of these two um, like real world uh, couples uh, that meet and fall in love uh, on the battlefields of World War One, and um, it deals with some really interesting topics of um, racism and um, bravery and those kinds of things. Um, and it also is just a really delightful, you know, romantic uh, historical fiction kind of kind of book. Uh, and so, as far as that genre goes, it's been one of the best books I've read this year, and I would highly recommend it. And I think it would be widely enjoyed. You're 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 uh, so enthusiastic about it, and that actually comes out. Uh, listening to you and chatting to you so it's, it's fascinating to talk to you so what about then Laura where can the listeners find you on social media I know we briefly mentioned but where exactly can they get in touch yeah absolutely so um my main my, my public Instagram account uh is library.laura so and you spell my name l-a-u-r-a so it's library.laura on Instagram um there's also this really lovely website called bookshop.org um, and I have, um, I've got the lists of every book that I've talked about on the podcast on, on like a little storefront inside bookshop.org. So if you go to bookshop.org and there's like a little search box, you can type in library Laura, and then you just hit shops and mine should be like the first one that you see. Uh, and so if you just want to go straight to the books, I, you know, that's, that's a good place to do it. And I love them because they support, um, independent bookstores. Uh, so rather than buying them through a big conglomerate um that will remain nameless uh you can uh, one, um, <laughs> one name drop them name drop them <laughs> oh if, instead of buying them from amazon or book depository um you okay. can buy them from bookshop.org um, okay. and it um they're they're still very competitively priced but it actually goes to su support independent bookstores which i think is um really important to do um so Anyway, there's that. And then on the Ravelry website that I talked about earlier, um, I, my username on there is Laura on a roll. So that's L-A-U-R-A-O-N as in Nancy, A-R-O-L-L. -L. My, my maiden name is Roller. Um, and that's, it made more sense when I was Laura Roller uh, for that to be my username. But here we are. Here um, are. <laughs> and they can actually find me on Ravelry and you can see like um, what, 
what patterns I think are cool and what I'm currently working on and that kind of thing. If you really want to go deep down into the knitting wormhole, uh, that's that's where I am on Ravelry. Well, you, you um, I think without a doubt you should continue uh, your own knitting podcast because I think you're so knowledgeable. <laughs> no, honestly, I think once once they listen to this, uh, they'll be like, oh, forget about aviation, Zara. We'll, we'll, we'll get in touch with Laura instead. So um, no, well, There's room for both, I think. No, no, so. no, no, no. <laughs> I think without a doubt, I uh, I think they'll be listening to you, uh, especially with your, your knowledge and yeah. uh, enthusiasm. But all I can thank say you. is thank you so much, uh, Laura, for chatting with me today. And as Laura's mentioned, uh, you can get in touch with her on Instagram and our website. And before we go, Laura, as well, you mentioned there the nonprofit. Um, it's for uh, people that are out of work and they need... Yes. What, what's that called again? You could, you it's called Crossroads, Crossroads Career services so it's um crossroadscareer.org is their website and do they i mean especially now considering the um you know the impact of unemployment around the world i mean it, are, is it open to every in- people in, from different industries or specifically uh, to certain groups yeah absolutely so um there's there's a job search board that i'm not sure what the scope of it is to be honest i believe it's mostly just united states but the um the actual like, job search resources and um, career resources and stuff like that are really um, very broadly applicable. Um, they have a seven-step process that um, kind of works through both sort of like the emotional aspect of job loss. So, um, you know, why did God let this happen to me? Um, who am I and what should I do with my life kind of questions? And then the very practical aspects of writing a resume, applying for jobs, networking, interviewing, um, reviewing offers, all of that, all in the seven-step process. And so it, um, I, it's, it's very widely applicable. I mean, it, it could go anywhere from, you know, a blue-collar worker to a senior executive. Um, a lot of the same, like, human resources concepts still apply, and a lot of the same, like, um, Christian faith aspects of um, what does God want me to do with my life um, are, are very widely applicable. So um, I'd say there, there's a blog, there's a, some free um, like w- video webinar type materials, and then there's uh, some paid resources of, um, that, but they're available for digital download, uh, many of them. So um, even if you're across the ocean from us, uh, it shouldn't be a big deal to get a hold of those. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners will be uh, delighted to hear that information as well. As mentioned already, thanks so much, uh, Laura, for chatting with me today on the Aviation Night by Aviation Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.